English is not my first language. It's not even my second language. It's probably my third language. And uh, I I'm somebody who writes in English for a living. Language is something that you can work on. You can read as much as you want. You can you know you can watch. Uh, stuff that is very well written for you know to to better your language skills um and you can read out aloud uh, so that you can do certain things that uh, uh, you know you know some some of those hygiene like breaking sentences into into smaller parts so that they are easier to consume and absorb all of this can be taught can be worked on you have to wait for stories to come to you basically it's uh, there have been times when i've tried to have a process uh, you know go scroll through twitter scroll through instagram uh, you know see what's happening what's trending never works stories have to come to you 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 can't you can't chase them <laughs> the ideas at least see work makes you happy it's true but it also takes a lot out of you because uh, it's a uh, I'm not saying I'm I'm creating the vaccine, but uh, there is a responsibility in, uh, or at least I feel that uh, you know whatever you write has to bring value to the reader. And uh, so when you look at your job uh, from that perspective, it's not just a job, right? It's something which you're trying to give meaning to, and you're trying to provide meaning to other people through that in, in whichever ways. And uh, uh, that also takes up uh, a lot of your bandwidth, mental and physical. so being away from that uh, for a week uh, really helps recharge you because you would want to sort of uh, you know not do that all the time not think about that all the time you know those non agenda calls also give you a lot of ideas uh, very unintentionally and uh, so ultimately you can't switch off if you're a journalist you will think of story ideas uh, all the time and it helps when you're in that zone where you don't have to actively look for them because then they come to you all the more uh, easily and and i guess uh, uh, for for a lot of other reasons yes but even for that uh, a holiday and a break is, is really essential Hey everybody, what's good? Welcome back to the Next Move podcast. If this is your first time on the show, we're a podcast that shares the strategies, stories and tools behind people who are making an impact in their field. And the goal of this podcast is to be the most action-packed podcast on the planet. So you can take the strategies, the routines and the tactics of people who are doing incredible things and apply them to your life immediately. And today is a very action-packed podcast so I recommend you take notes. And in this episode I spoke to Shefali Bhatt who is a journalist at the Economic Times as well as a LinkedIn top voice award winner. And that's basically like the Instagram blue tick but for LinkedIn and a much more select community because she won this award out of thousands of people who post on Instagram as one of the top people who get engaged with. And the reason why she gets so much engagement is that people truly resonate with her stories. Now, why do people resonate with what she writes? She's she doesn't even speak English natively. It's her third language. Yet her whole career is created on writing in English. So, we talked about how to improve your writing to a point that people truly love it. What are the practices? What are the skills? What are the tactics that you can use on a daily basis to improve your writing? What books you should be reading to improve your writing? it's we deconstruct everything that goes into it the key takeaways were for me was how to structure a story how to make sure that people want to stay all the way through to the end and i'm going to try some of those practices in this podcast so if you find yourself listening more than usual it might be because of what she told me we're also going to talk about how do you find inspiration for the content that you should create how do you find that idea that that comes out of nowhere to create a piece of content that people love and also how do you keep the audience in mind while you're creating that content and lastly we talked about the power of setting deadlines for yourself to spark the creative process so i'm 100% sure that all of you are going to take a lot from this podcast on how to improve your creative process how to improve your writing skills and make sure to stay through right to the end because shefali tells us about the book that's most inspired her and led to her improving her writing experience the most. So stay tuned. I know you're going to love this podcast. Thank you for checking it out. Hey Shefali, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me here, Arman. Really excited. Uh, I'm glad that uh, you reached out and really looking forward to this conversation. 
Me too. And, and as everyone would have heard in the introduction, we're going to be talking about how you hone the skills of your writing. How do you get better? And this can apply to all types of content creation. But to frame this conversation, Shivali, I think it'll be good to start with, why did you choose to get into journalism? What is it about the writing field that appealed to you? Uh, you know, there are always these moments that kind of add up. So I remember in second or third year college, I was reading this book, Cosmos, and uh, there was this line, which uh, is completely inconsequential, uh, said somewhere something incredible is waiting to be explored. And uh, it, it somehow stayed with me. And I, I just, uh, I just added to that. And I said, how, how cool would it be to explore that incredible and be the medium that shares that incredible with the rest of the world. So uh, I, I guess uh, for a very long time, I wanted to do that. Uh, wanted to tell stories, tell untold stories, uh, stories that make people sit up and take note of what's happening around them or, or, or outside of their, uh, you know, their little well and uh, just just be fascinated. And uh, that that simple thought of uh, wanting to share the incredible with the rest of the world is, is uh, I think, what got me into journalism. So have you always been a writer or has it been something that you picked up as an adult? I used to write poems uh, back in school. Uh, some of them uh, around accounts and mathematics <laughs> and uh, some of them around the existential angst of, uh, of a teenager. <laughs> so I, I was a writer and I used to enjoy writing uh, uh, back in school uh, as well. And uh, I guess uh, you can say this, this was kind of a natural progression, although I've not studied, uh, 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 you know, uh, my, I, I graduated in commerce. So I, I basically studied numbers. But even there, I, I would always find a way to find some sort of romance, like I mentioned, right, writing poems around accountancy and mathematics. So I, I found a way to uh, find some sort of poetry around uh, all the left brain things as well. And uh, therefore, I guess it, it just came uh, very easily to me, uh, the, the writing part. Now, um, so for me personally, I have never been a writer or a reader until I, I think I read my first book when I was 23. I finished my, literally finished my first book. And um, I, the question has always been in my head because, you know, they tell you as a kid, when you get bad grades in English, you are not a writer or you're not this or you're not that, right? Do you think writing is a skill that you can train or do you think it's something that's relatively inherent? I don't think it's inherent. Uh, I, and you know, this is a revelation I've made to, uh, to my friends in one-on-one -on -one conversations several times. Uh, and I, I'd probably do this here as well. English is not my first language. It's not even my second language. It's probably my third language. And uh, I, I'm somebody who writes in English for a living. And yet there are so many times uh, when I struggle with sentence construction because what I have in my mind is not what I'm able to articulate very well in, in that language because it's not the language that's, uh, that I'm the most comfortable with. It's, it's fine when you're doing a conversation and, and it's all colloquial, but there are times when you're trying to construct a coherent sentence and if it's not your first uh, language of comfort or if you've not grown up uh, uh, speaking that language or consuming it the way, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people from, say, metros would, because I come from a small town in India and uh, uh, from, from where I hail, which is, which is Kurukshetra in Haryana, uh, if you would speak in English in, in school, people would think that you were trying to flaunt something that they don't have and they would mock you. So you were derided for, for wanting to speak in English. And, and therefore, it sort of became a thing where I would uh, resist speaking in English, even though I really enjoyed doing that. And, and so it's something that has stayed with me even now when uh, most of my conversations that happen with people in personal or professional life, they happen in English. And yet I would say that it's not a language that I'm most comfortable in. And, and yet I do write for a living. Uh, so I think... Uh, uh, you know, sometimes it helps to have a certain comfort, but when you're writing a story, there are several other principles that you need to keep in mind. And uh, language is something that you can work on. You can read as much as you want. You can, you know, you can watch uh, stuff that is very well written for, you know, to, to better your language skills. 
uh, and you can read out aloud uh, so that you can do certain things that uh, uh, you know you know some some of those hygiene like breaking sentences into into smaller parts so that they are easier to consume and absorb all of this can be taught can be worked on uh, there are some people who are inherently good writers i don't think i'm one of them i i i practice daily Wow, and I want to get into your your daily practice because that's very, very. I, I think that's a huge thing. But what what I found so amazing about that is when someone's reading your end article, right? You're competing with native English speakers. They don't they don't necessarily care that oh, you know, Shifali um, doesn't hasn't grown up speaking English because you're competing against the people who have and the English doctorates, you know, whatever it is. So th that's incredible that you were able to do that. And I wanted to get into this later, but can we get into your daily practices? How do you how do you improve your writing? Uh, so, so like I said, right? Uh, you read a lot. You read a lot of stories. Uh, I mean, you read books, of course, but you also read a lot of uh, international publications uh, to know story structures. What are the kind of stories? Long reads, especially since I'm a features writer. What are the kind of story structures that work? Because if I'm finding this easier to read and I'm enjoying it. Uh, that means others must be as well. Uh, one of my former editors had said this once, and that makes a lot of sense to me, which is that uh, if you find something interesting, others will find it interesting as well in more cases uh, than not. Uh, so if I'm reading uh, somebody else's story and I'm enjoying its structure, the way it's been told, then there is a learning from uh, from there. And I, I do that a lot. A lot of uh, my day goes into reading good stories uh, told by other people. And I, I enjoy that. And it's also an educational exercise for me. Uh, when I'm writing a story, uh, like I mentioned, I, whenever I have the time, I, I do read the story out loud. And uh, there are times when you find that some sentences are uh, unnecessarily long. And one thing that I think, uh, uh, I studied broadcast journalism. And, and the one thing that, uh, you know, that they teach you there, uh, which I have found very useful, is uh, to break sentences and make the sentences smaller. And uh, while that's for broadcast, because you know the script is only so much uh, and it's more visual, I try and apply that in print as well. And it really helps because uh, we are in an environment where people have uh, really short attention spans and a longer sentence can, can sort of throw you out of sync. Uh, and uh, I, I try to do that a lot of times where I break my sentences, make them smaller so that it's easier for people to grasp. Uh, those are some of the things uh, that I do. And, and I've noticed in your writing, almost every paragraph is like one sentence and then you move on to another point, which is another sentence. It, it's really interesting. And I, I wanna get back to your first point, which is on the stories. So when you're analyzing the structure of a story, uh, how do you go about it? So it, you can take an example of a you know a recent story that you've read. How do you go about breaking down paragraphs and and taking in what you need to take in? So every story needs to be told differently, and yet you'll have some similarities there. As in, once you're done reporting, or even as as you go on reporting the story, you you find out different aspects to a story, different facets that you want to tell. And uh, uh, I, I think you tell them in a way somebody may tell uh, a story uh, like a movie. Uh, so, you know, you sometimes uh, you get the important parts in to set the context, but you also wait uh, till the climax to tell, to tell them something that they never thought about. Like if I were to give an example, uh, I recently did a story about uh, uh, therapists, licensed mental health practitioners who are taking to social media to talk about mental health, to sensitize people around the importance of mental health and uh, you know, what are some of the things that they can do without actually giving them therapy because they're not, unless you know the history of, of somebody, you can't give them uh, mental health advice. But you can talk in general about anxiety and how it manifests and, and you know, what are some of the things that one can do to, to prevent a panic attack immediately and things like that. So I spoke to all these therapists and uh, there were several aspects to that story, right? One is uh, uh, what kind of motivated them? Was it the lockdown? And uh, uh, that gave them a lot of time. And therefore, so, so what, was, what was the motive and, and how did it happen? So then you get into the reasons. Then you get into, uh, uh, you know, what are the things that they have seen uh, other people do? Uh, what are the things that work for them? What are the things that don't work for them? 
And then you get into something that people may not realize, which is that uh, it's social media therapists get trolled too. Uh, so what, what is it? So that is something that I'll keep for the end. Uh, it's like an interesting part of the story, but it's a different story altogether. And so you sort of slide it in towards the end. And um, while it's not the heart of the story, it is something that I remember in the feedback, a lot of people did say that I never thought about this. And, and so you just like sneakily put that in and say, hey, by the way, you know what? Uh, there's this thing as well. And so when you talk about how they get trolled, how they handle that trolling, uh, one of the points which I thought was really interesting was where somebody said that, uh, you know, everybody has a right to, to you know, freedom to speech. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean that I have to be the platform for it. And so this person was talking about how every time they get a hate comment, they just delete that comment and they make it very clear right up front that if I get a comment which is negative, I will delete it because there are people who are reading uh, the, the comment section and they get triggered. And uh, so, so there are things like that, uh, you know, that you then sort of see then. And uh, uh, the conclusion, the beginning and the conclusion is always tricky. Sometimes uh, I, I write the conclusion first because I know this is how the story is going to end uh, because the first line is always the hardest to write. And sometimes stories are really straightforward, simple. You've written them in your head. So you know what's the first line, and so you start with that. That's. Is there one particular story or book or fable or anything that has really caught your attention and that you loved and that you took so much away from? There are many like that. You know, uh, recently uh, uh, there is this publication I follow a lot, which is called Rest of World. Uh, it looks at uh, uh, technology and its impact on the rest of the world, which is uh, all countries except the U.S. Because there is an inordinate amount of focus on on us um, uh, at this point and has been so for for, for the longest time and uh, i've read this story uh, uh, by a journalist around a culture that is uh, you know now burgeoning in korea where you have people who are living alone and therefore uh, there is an economy that has built around these people and then there are different labels that are attached to these people basis, the different genre of people who are living alone, like some who are living alone, uh, who, who want to get married, but don't want to have kids, some who are living alone, who don't want kids as well, and don't want their partners as well, but they are okay with sort of having, uh, you, you know, some sort of a romantic association. And, and that was fascinating. So getting into introducing one person, so starting with a person's story, uh, which I normally don't like, uh, uh, you know, the idea, but in, in this case, I think it really worked starting with a person's story and then getting into all these labels and this nomenclature that has happened, the anthropological significance of it and how there is a business uh, that's booming around it, uh, which, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, I'm not sure if this answers your question, but uh, the, the short answer to that is uh, uh, there are so many such stories. Yeah, uh, th this was the one that I'd read recently, so I, I can think of it because I keep going back to it uh, at times. It's just very well told and was very refreshing uh, also to, to sort of read. And uh, yeah. Okay, I, I get where you're coming from. And my, my question is, how much of your day goes into reading versus writing? I don't write, I don't have to write every day, thankfully, mm -hmm. since I'm a features writer. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, writing happens uh, across one or two days where there would be one day which is just writing and then there'd be the second day which is making the writing better because you'd have a desk that would have looked at your story and, and they would have sent in their recommendations and then sometimes they uh, make changes to your story and then basis that you, uh, you also uh, make further changes to your story so uh, a normal day goes into reporting, which is uh, speaking to a lot of people uh, for stories. And, uh, and then there are two days in the week that go into hardcore writing. And, and within that, I mean, you're reading, reading is a constant. I, I don't think, uh, I mean, I wish I had a, a split for you, but uh, uh, it, it's a constant. Every, every single chance that you get during the day between your calls or at the end of the day, you read. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Because, you know, I, I've taken up this thing now where I read in the morning and that reading gives me like a ton of ideas for what I want to do in the day. And it can be something completely irrelated, but I found that it just, it just you know, gets your brain moving. Um, so that, that's been really big for me. I also want to ask, when you do get down to your writing, right? Um, and this is throughout your whole week. What does the process look like from research 
to you know actually writing down the story to the execution of that story and we can start with the research phase how does that look like when you're coming up with a topic to write about is it a calculated search is it based on what people are searching on on google so you do an seo search or is it something that you find interesting how, how do you go about creating that content so so again it, it uh, differs from story to story but often what happens is is uh, when you pitch a story to your editor you already have certain you you've already done some secondary reporting which is you know you've done your research and uh, you have a fair idea of what kind of people you'd want to reach out for the story and then uh, you know the second layer of researching begins on on figuring out who are the right voices uh, that you want to bring out in my case there's also a third layer uh, where i i try to bring in as many diverse voices that i can uh, especially women's voices because uh, uh, I, I may digress here, but there was a story I had done uh, about two years ago about uh, therapists seeking therapy. I, I do a lot of stories on mental health. Uh, this was a story on on how it's essential for therapists to go for therapy as well, where you know they discuss their private lives and and uh, emotions, and they discuss their cases as well uh, to become better at their job. And uh, this was a story in print, and so there were like six people who had been uh, uh, featured. And uh, somebody commented on LinkedIn saying, "All women were aren't there any male therapists?" And uh, I plainly responded, "Yes, there are male therapists, and some of them have been quoted in this story. The only difference was that all the pictures that I chose were of women. These women had something uh, like it so happened that these were the six people who had something interesting to say. But it just got me thinking that nobody ever has a problem if it's all men who are sort of uh, you know whose pictures are there in in stories. That is just the normal." and and suddenly it's odd when when it's all women where are the men and uh, i think after that i have uh, uh, consciously tried to uh, find more women uh, women's voices for my stories and uh, i don't even try to balance it out honestly if it's a, it's a problem for me if it's six men and four women but if it's six women and four men i am okay with that because uh, you know uh, uh, I, I think we can do with more of women's voices uh, now after all these centuries of not getting uh, their voices heard at all. I specifically ask people when I am asking, uh, uh, you know, for for suggestions on who 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 are the better people to speak to for this story, and I ask them, is there a woman uh, in, in this particular category that you can recommend? And then people also struggle, uh, and so finding women to speak to for a lot of stories is a struggle. that is a very important part of my process and i i i know i'm i'm sure uh, there are other journalists who are doing that uh, I, i hope more people do that as well because uh, uh, it's important to get diverse voices out uh, so so that's on again the research of finding who are the right people to speak to then you obviously set up times right and so a lot large part of our day depends on other people kind of making our day uh, by making time for us uh, to speak to us and uh, so so you're dependent on other people in that sense and and then that goes on for some time and uh, you know you have back to back calls with these people and uh, then i i think with every call as as you know as every call uh, finishes your story is progressing in your mind and you have new facets that you've uh, kind of learned and and so it keeps going on in your mind i would love to sort of put it on paper right then never happens uh but uh, if someone were to actually put all of those inputs as and in when they were uh, uh in doing those calls i think that would also make the stories all the more richer because uh, uh, you know the moment you write something it just like it just goes uh, deeper into your your memory uh stays there and it just it just helps right uh so so that happens your story is progressing in your head already and by the time you're done with uh, with the last call uh, for the story you have a vague structure in your mind and you know what are the gaps that you still need to fill and sometimes while you're writing the story is when you realize there are gaps so sometimes then you go back to to you know to do more calls with people because while you're writing or while you're listening to somebody's recording or while you're note like taking a look at your notes you realize okay this is another question that i have at this point and i should have asked them then but it didn't occur to me and that happens 99 out of 100 times where you know you you're playing back your notes or or you're writing your story and you realize okay this is a very obvious question that i have right now why didn't i ask them then and so you sort of go back that happens quite often which is a part of the process 
um, then the story goes into uh, into editing. Uh, you send it to your desk. Desk also looks at it. They send you recommendations on what can be changed or if it's good to go, it's it's good to go. And uh, yes, for the story to to hit the cloud and and share it. <laughs> You know, going back to, let's say someone's a blogger or they're a YouTuber or they're a podcaster, whatever they are, or a journalist, right? Once you've, how do you come up with the, the topics though? So for example, you wrote about therapists seeking therapy. How did that idea come into your mind? Do you have a brainstorm, you know, session once a month or like, what is that process of finding what to write about? Because what I've seen, and since you've been a LinkedIn top voice, which is amazing, you clearly create content that people truly resonate with, right? So what is that process of, of thinking about the actual topic and the title of your work? So the way I go about it is uh, I look at it as one spectrum, right? And uh, uh, there are two ends to this. I am, my job is to chronicle the way the internet is changing how we live our lives, uh, and, and the other part to it is, uh, uh, you know, how we live our lives is making internet companies bring about changes to themselves. Uh, we are seeing some of that right now with Facebook and WhatsApp and Twitter and Snapchat uh, blocking Trump out. Uh, and uh, uh, so, so that simplifies it for me because, uh, uh, you know, you, you know you're chronicling how technology is changing our lives. And, uh, but, but that's a, you know, it's a wide spectrum there. Uh, Within that, I kind of try to limit it by asking myself, is this something that uh, my mother, who's in her 60s, uh, will be able to understand at least broadly? Uh, you know, she'll have a vague understanding of what I'm talking about. And is this something that my friends who are in their early 20s uh, will resonate with? You know, is it something that will fascinate them? And so, you know, then you, you look at that uh, aspect of, of your reader's reaction and, and their relatability. And uh, the third, like I said, right, is it something that you find fascinating or is it a story that that you feel is worth worth telling? And, and that's how you sort of go about it. Uh, how I find these story ideas, I think uh, in my case, because uh, I literally write about life, uh, it, it helps to have empathy. Uh, I have had, you know, conversations with people where I would have said that, you know, therapists have a lot of struggle too, and there's their job is a hard job. Uh, I didn't know until I did that story that it was actually, uh, it was hygiene for them to go for therapy and, and that it's, it's, you know, it's pretty common for them. But I, the, the story idea came up because I was curious. So I, I think in some cases being curious helps. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm always curious to know about different worlds. I was doing a story uh, on, on the COVID dashboards, uh, the crowdsourced COVID dashboards that we were all following uh, uh, during the early days of, uh, of COVID uh, when everybody was hoping that the numbers would not increase at the pace that they were. And I think all of us after a point just gave up because the numbers had just shot through the roof everywhere. But at that time, I was looking at all these dashboards and I was fascinated because these were crowdsourced, which meant that people who were doing their regular jobs were taking time out of those jobs and were tracking these things and were using data in a very interesting way, using design information uh, uh, design in a very interesting way to, to give us uh, a lot more information so that we were aware of what's happening around us so that we could take steps accordingly. And while I was doing that story, uh, somebody mentioned, uh, a lot of people mentioned how they were hosting their, their code uh, for their site on GitHub. And that was the first time I heard of GitHub which is a, you know, a source code repository where almost entire of the planet's internet is, is kind of stored. I didn't know until then what GitHub was. And so, so the two, three people mentioned GitHub to me and I'm like this, you know, this sounds like all you people were sharing code from there. This sounds like a, you know, kind of a social media thing that you guys have going there. And so then I got curious about GitHub and I, uh, you know, did a story on how GitHub has become uh, like a social media platform for engineers. And, and these are people who are always at the back, uh, uh, you know, behind the scene and they don't get uh, acknowledgement for a lot of the work that they do. And GitHub is the place where they get that. They become, you know, human and they're seen. Uh, so a lot of stories come from, from stories that you may have done in the past as well, because you've had these conversations and something interesting comes up and, and you know, that becomes uh, another story. That's cool. So it's basically just life and then you follow whatever piques your curiosity, which is 
Very interesting. You have to wait for stories to come to you. Basically, it's uh, there have been times when I've tried to have a process. Uh, you know, go scroll through Twitter, scroll through Instagram. Uh, you know, see what's happening, what's trending. Never works. Stories have to come to you. You you can't you can't uh, chase them. <laughs> the ideas, at least. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's that's very cool. And do you? So that's that's um, that leads me to this question of of feeling creative, right? Because there's many times where I go to write or do some kind of work that involves me to think clearly. Like, so for example, when I write emails to people to come onto the podcast, I try to make them relatively creative so that the person will want to come on the podcast. But there's times where I just, I just do nothing good can come out, right? Whatever you put down on the paper, whatever sentence you write, it's, it's awful. What do you do to get your creative juices flowing? I remind myself of the deadline. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's the honest truth. I really wish I had a hack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it it helps. I, I think in my case that there are always deadlines because uh, uh, every story that you write, you would feel that if you just had one more day, it would have been so much better. But that's not a luxury that we have because uh, uh, you know we're. Uh, we're not writing fiction. This is this is nonfiction. It's serious business, and uh, you you don't get to sort of sit on it, uh, see if something else comes uh, comes to you and strikes you like lightning. Um, so so deadline is is uh, the best creative hack that uh, uh, I can recommend to anyone. Just remind yourself uh, of the deadline. <laughs> that no, that's actually really cool and. Uh, that's the thing, right? If you're doing your own thing, if, if you don't work for a company and if you are you know, creating your own blog, it's hard to self-impose that deadline to, yeah. to get you going. What would you say to people who have that, that, that issue? Because if nothing goes out, nobody's going to shout at you or nobody's going to say anything. So what do you think? I, I think there are ways of self-imposing deadlines because... Um, See, I can do a shoddy job of a story within a red line as well. The fact that I'm speaking to 20 to 25 people per story uh, means that I am also self-imposing certain, uh, uh, you know, I'm also putting some responsibility on my own shoulders. Nobody has told me to do that. Nobody tells you to do a good job of a story. Really, people, normally people ask you to do a story. No, uh, Very few people would say, okay, do a good story. Because a good story means it's very different from just doing a story you want to do a good story and therefore you do everything in your part uh, to, to bring that out. And uh, so somewhere, you know, you are self-imposing certain restrictions uh, on yourself because you are telling yourself not to slack. And so that's a restriction, right? Um, I think one thing that I can think of because I do do personal writing as well uh, is to, uh, you know, sort of have an Excel sheet. Like uh, four years ago, uh, uh, I started doing a series on my on my wedding because I thought there were a lot of interesting things that happened uh, uh, at my wedding with the people who had come. And uh, I would just like do it in the night when I was not doing anything, uh, uh, you know, professional and, you know, I'm done with the day's work and I would just uh, go back to my bed and I would write this long post. Uh, it, it's it's still an ongoing series. So clearly uh, uh, not the best example of how to impose deadlines, but uh, Basically, having an Excel sheet where I had mentioned, okay, who are the people that I'm going to write about, that helps. Because then when you keep ticking them off and you just see only a few left, it sort of, it, uh, you know, motivates you to finish it sooner. Uh, having uh, deadlines like, okay, I have to do this particular meeting, uh, meet this person or start this new project and I can't do that until I finish this. That's, that's a self-imposition uh, of a type of uh, deadline. And we do that on a daily basis as well, right? one last call before I leave uh, to meet so-and-so, one last call before I have my meal. Uh, these are all deadlines. I mean, we, we uh, basically, we've worked on deadlines all our lives from our exams uh, to our school times, uh, uh, you know, to, to everything in between. Uh, it's just how we kind of, if it's something that works for us, it's just about sort of bringing that back into our lives in some ways. And, and then um, uh, I guess it's just the, uh, distance between uh, the the blank document and you. <laughs> and I, so I, I do love that. And w- one thing that has worked for me, as well as people who have come on the show before with any type of goal, it doesn't have to be writing, 
um, is to share it on social media. So say, hey everybody, I'm starting this business or I'm starting this podcast, or I'm starting this blog and I'm gonna post every Sunday. And even though people really don't care if you don't post on Sunday, they, you have that expectation of yourself because you've told people you will do it. So you want to make sure that you actually meet that, that um, expectation. You wanna you want be true to your word, right? So I think that that's been something that's been really amazing for me. And I, I want to ask you, um, when I sent you an email to come on the podcast, uh, I loved your work from home little note. It was, hey, everybody, I, I, please correct me. It was like, hey, everybody, I haven't um, put a work, I haven't put a out of office email in like three years. So I feel I deserve this. Something along those lines. Why, why have you not taken a vacation in three years? I have taken vacations in, in the last three and a half years. I've just somehow ended up working on all of those vacations, which is something that I do not recommend to people at all. Uh, I think this whole being a workaholic and just being absor absorbed by your work is very overrated. I'm not even talking about personal and like work-life balance. It, it's, about, uh, it's about having time for yourself, even if it is something that makes you, like my work makes me really happy. But uh, I also realized that there are other things that make me happy as well, uh, uh, you know, if not more than equally. And uh, you're being unfair to yourself if you're not giving them the, the due time that they deserve. And for some reason or the other, uh, I was not able to uh, not work on, on most of my vacations in the last three and a half years. And uh, so this time, uh, this was going to be my first and last break of, uh, of 2020. And I realized, boss, nothing doing. I have to finish everything. And during that time, I mean, if I'm on social media, that's completely my call, but I'm not going to look at work uh, at all. And so that's why I put that uh, uh, that um, uh, work out of home, uh, out of office <laughs> responder. So it's not like I've not had vacations. I've just not had uh, work-free vacations. And, and I'm trying to change that uh, now. So when you've come back from this first true off the grid vacation. Did, did you see any change or improvement in your productivity at work? Did you feel you were more refreshed and ready to go because you missed it? it what, what was that experience like coming back? I think, uh, to be honest, I was very sad on the first day that I was back to work. <laughs> that's another, but that's a very common side effect of any holiday, right? When you you have holiday blues after you're back. Uh, even though I didn't go out anywhere, I, I, you know, I was just chilling in the hotel and, and maybe, you know, looking for apartments since you just uh, moved to a different country. Uh, but uh, I think what it does is uh, it gives you time to breathe. Uh, it gives you time to like, I remember telling uh, two of my colleagues, uh, there was this one time where we had to put up a story, we had to share it. And I was asking them, listen, I, do I have 30 minutes? I really need to shampoo. <laughs> so, so then it didn't happen for some reason. And then on the first day of my holiday, this, this, uh, he's also a friend. He's like, were you able to shampoo? <laughs> said, yes, <laughs> that's the first thing I did on the first day of my holiday shampoo. <laughs> so you get time to yourself, you know, you get up in the morning, you're not worried of deadlines. Uh, you're not worried of, uh, you know, what's expected of you. You can just be for some time. And, and, uh, that's, uh, that's really important. You just like, I think I got the glow back on my face. See, work makes you happy. It's true, but it also takes a lot out of you because uh, it's, uh, I'm not saying I'm, I'm creating the vaccine, but uh, there is a responsibility in, uh, or at least I feel that, uh, you know, whatever you write has to bring value to the reader. And uh, so when you look at your job uh, from that perspective, it's not just a job, right? It's something which you're trying to give meaning to, and you're trying to provide meaning to other people through that in, in whichever ways. And uh, uh, that also takes up uh, a lot of your bandwidth, mental and physical. So being away from that uh, for a week uh, really helps recharge you because you would want to sort of, uh, you know, not do that all the time, not think about that all the time. In fact, I think it helped because, uh, you know, then the kind of conversations that I was having with people, I, I was able to speak to my friends, uh, after so long, because, uh, you know, I, I didn't have to do all work related calls. So I could do personal calls. And that, uh, you know, those non agenda calls also give you a lot of ideas, uh, very unintentionally. 
and uh, so ultimately you can't switch off if you're a journalist you will think of story ideas uh, all the time and it helps when you're in that zone where you don't have to actively look for them because then they come to you all the more uh, easily and and i guess uh, uh, for for a lot of other reasons yes but even for that uh, a, a holiday and a break is is really essential uh what i love most about vacations is not waking up to a damn alarm you know because i feel the alarm is probably the most unnatural you know unhuman thing because you wake up and you're immediately stressed out because you're hearing you just need a better alarm ringtone arman <laughs> No I so I have tried like birds chirping and you know happy noises but now I've come to associate birds chirping with like anger Oh yeah that's true that's I, true Yeah so that I don't happens. know I, it's it's and, and like you said it, it opens your mind because you're not always focused on go 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 you can actually think clearly so I I I agree so how many vacations are you planning on taking a year This year I'm planning to take all the vacations uh, as as in all the the casual leaves that that I have and don't want to sort of uh, because it's just no point uh, having them pile on to the next year you're never going to take all those vacations at once mm-hmm. nobody is going to allow you to do that <laughs> so you might as well take your designated leave uh, uh, in in the year itself even if you're not doing anything if like vacation does not mean uh, uh, going out uh, even if it means a staycation in a hotel you don't have to do any of that you can just be in your house do nothing and and that's also vacation and that's a pretty cool vacation honestly yeah i agree that's that's where you really get recharged um i, w- I want to go on to a topic where you were awarded linkedin top voice and that that's a really it's for everybody listening it's basically an award given to people who are influential on the linkedin platform and uh, are making a difference and when we were talking before this interview you know you you told me a story about how it happened could you tell that story here and then i want to get into how do you why do you think your your stories resonate with people so it, it's it's a funny story uh I- but now i feel the pressure now that i said it's funny it better be funny for other people <laughs> so uh i was uh, i was approached by linkedin once uh, saying that you've been considered for this there are some questions would you like to answer didn't think much of it and and i just answered those questions a few weeks later i find out i am indeed one of the linkedin top voices of 2019 and i was like okay fine good for me i guess <laughs> and then i see the the other uh, people in that list and i realize okay most of those people are are you know really cool people not all i would say but most of them and uh, i was like wow this is actually a big deal and uh, what is more interesting is that i did not have linkedin app on my phone until then <laughs> So what I would do is uh you know I used to write for the Sunday edition of ET uh, at that point so every Sunday I would just go and share my story on LinkedIn and be off next Sunday I would go story and share the next story and be out again it was a very peaceful functional relationship I had with LinkedIn until that point so it's pretty funny because I told some of the people I know uh, who were actually trying to tell me how big a deal it is and how completely unaware I was of it and uh, i told them listen i don't even have their app <laughs> and they said you shameless person at least now download the app <laughs> even then i didn't download the app because i said it doesn't make sense but then i think there were one or two instances that happened where uh, i was able to uh, uh, reach out to somebody overseas for a story i was doing and i reached out to them on linkedin and they responded immediately and i thought wow this is amazing and then we were able to set up a time uh, right then and there and this was like late in the night uh, so i kind of saved another day and this they were in a different time zone so that really worked out well for me and then there was this other time where uh, somebody did respond to me on linkedin but because i didn't have the app i didn't see it in time and so i lost out on that opportunity so these two things happened one after the other and i think that made me uh, uh realize that okay i need this app on my phone and uh, since then i think there've been times when i've used linkedin for my stories as well where if i'm working on something i've just bounced off uh, you know bounced that off of uh, my my linkedin family as i call them uh and and you know they've given me a lot of uh, uh ideas like i remember i had done a story on um, 
building bonds with your with your neighbors uh, in, in apartment complexes in in urban uh, cities in india during uh, during the lockdown because while we were cut off from our actual friends uh, uh especially in places like bombay right where people don't really interact that much with uh, with their neighbors this was the one time when neighbors really uh, some people even discovered that they have these neighbors and and you know this so and so person lives in my building and they made they forged these relationships so i just put that out on on linkedin saying hey have you have you discovered that have you had like a do you have an interesting story to tell and i think uh i think that entire story i i could tell because of all the stories that i got on linkedin where people were like you know this happened with me this happened with me this happened with somebody i know uh so now uh, it's also i feel a great source for you to sort of do your primary or or secondary research for a story oh and and um that's it's really funny and i i do think that actually not having linkedin or social media on your phone is potentially a good thing because you don't care about the likes and potentially that maybe helped you i know now you need to have it but what why do you think that your pieces is there something about your stories that you you thoughtfully put into them that cuz your engagement is incredible why do you think so many people feel the the need to follow you or engage with what you're putting in yeah first of all i i hope i hope they keep at it if mm-hmm. it is indeed the case uh and it's not just uh you know liking without reading because sometimes i feel that uh, people like like you know you share something and it's like a 5 minute read and within uh, 30 seconds you've got a like and i feel okay you clearly haven't read the story so i i don't think those likes are of any value then uh and uh, uh but uh, you know there are people who will point something out from your story uh, in in the comment section and that is kind of reassuring that people are reading those stories and uh, uh that's that's always nice to know i am i'm not sure what works here because i'm clearly still a work in progress i'm i'm still trying to ma- write better stories uh and uh, i i think people resonate with things uh you know that they can relate with so there are some topics that are more relatable to them than the others uh like you, you know so, so if i were to give you an example uh, there was a story i wrote about uh uh you know divorced women who are kind of using social media uh and different forms of uh, kind of content writing to break the stigma uh, around around divorce and i think that was one story that uh, that really resonated with a lot of people it it brought uh, like a lot of people wrote to me personally where i didn't know that these people were divorced in the past and i'd used i think i'd used some data in that story as well so they there's i remember this one person who had uh, uh, messaged me saying you know sometimes there's comfort in numbers and uh, so so i guess for every story it's different yeah if uh, what i try to do on my part is uh, i try to bring a human element to almost every story that i write uh, and and as humans i i guess there are some people who resonate with that uh and and i i guess that is i mean that's the only thing i can think of because i i am not sure if all of my stories work uh i i know some of them do and i hope for all of them to work because uh i you know i put in a lot of thought into them uh but but i guess for some stories uh because i i'm very particular about the the human aspect of of every story i think some people do resonate with that just a little bit of clarification what do you mean by the human aspect and the human element it's uh, it's it's something see i write for a business paper right uh, so so a lot of it is all about okay you know this is happening in the business is this good for the business uh if i were to give you an example a lot of our motivations come from from us as our as humans right and our identity so so while uh, say i write a lot about the creator economy i i recently did a story on on people who are doing reaction videos uh, which is basically just somebody uh, for instance uh, you know taking this interview and reacting to this interview making fun of us and how stupid we are being right now uh, and and that you know that will uh, give them the likes and the hits and and the subscribers but but it's not just that right it's not just the brand associations that they will get basis that it's not just the numbers that they will fetch the the why of it you know is a very human uh, uh you know there's a very human aspect to that uh like for instance for the reaction video story i spoke to these um, uh, three nigerian sisters um and uh, they react to asian music uh 
one part of it is they want to learn more about uh, you know indian indonesian korean vietnamese music the other part is uh, is very human which is uh, they want to put their voices out there they want to be heard uh, you, you know they want to put africa on the map because uh, uh, you know people only see uh, you, you know a lot of other uh, uh, voices from different countries but not theirs and they want to put themselves out there so that's the human aspect and i think i am not sure everybody relates to it but i know there are some people who who care for these things so i am writing for those people and i am hoping more and more uh, people are able to uh, spot some of these things that i i i put into these stories i i love that so you're not writing for everybody with every story you're you're focusing on a specific segment and you're writing to them i i just have one last question um if you had one book or article or story or anything that you had to read for the rest of your life or you had to tell people to read for the rest of their life what would that book be book is easy i think that would be uh, uh one of amrita pritam's books called rasidi ticket it's uh, it's in uh, punjabi it's uh, in it has been translated in hindi as well and has an english translation as well i'm not sure about other languages i'm, I'm I won't be surprised if there are other language translations as well. Uh I I I think that is uh yeah that's the one book that I would recommend. I can if you tell me that uh you know I have to leave everything and I can just keep one book with me for the rest of my life it would be that one. Yeah. What why that book? Uh I think there again there's a lot to resonate with the person that Amrita is which comes out in 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 that book and she's it's it's also in the form of of an epistolary where she's writing her diary entries um there've been so many moments uh, uh while reading that book where I've just found myself all teared up and those are happy tears because you realize there is someone who can feel so much and who's so aware of of how she feels that much for so many things who's so passionate and uh, i mean and man one of the people who actually put us on the map in in terms of literature right one of the women uh, if if not the only and and how uh, the way she talks about love the way she talks about loss uh, the way she talks about writing um, it just there were so many moments while reading that book where i could i could feel that i can hear her like in her voice um and and that you know she's talking to me and she's talking to me in a way where uh, it just felt like an older version of me talking to a younger version of me and i think that's beautiful um and, and she's also a strong woman uh, and i think that's also something that is is very inspirational and, and uh, you know she can be soft and she can be uh, so stolid uh, at, at the same time and and look at the work man uh, the kind of writing that she she has it's just it's so inspiring it's so deep uh, uh i cannot recommend that book enough amazing so i think that's a perfect place to wrap up shivali thank you so much for coming on this podcast i i truly truly like learned a lot from this i'm glad to know that and thank you to everybody for tuning in see you guys in the next one Wow, thank you so much for watching the entire episode, 50, 60, 70 minutes. It's pretty impressive. And if you want to watch more of that, you know, kind of you can click here or if you'd like to subscribe to be notified each time that I release an episode. Click here. That'd be that'd be really cool of you. Thank you and see you guys in the next one.